Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Making Learning Special, where we discuss everything from parenting tips and strategies to early childhood development, all the way to the nitty grittiness of parenthood. I'm your host, Madonna Lazo-Smith, and with me is my husband and co-host, Zach Smith. Hi, guys. It feels like we haven't um, talked to you guys in a while, even though you're probably just watching episode from episode to episode. But we are getting ready for the new baby. So if you tune in to, um, to us on a weekly basis, we have kind of um, stepped down a little bit. And actually, I'm not going to be or we're not going to be doing episodes every week because, as you know, this podcast is definitely about family and connection. And that's what we are going to be doing um, with our little one. So with our little ones, because we're going to have two kids. So we are going to kind of step back from um, our podcast, just a heads up. And next week... Hopefully, when it comes out next week, <laughs> we are going to have one more episode before we stop doing weekly episodes. Just a heads up. But of course, you'll have access to all our podcasts in um, the public forums, whatever you guys are listening to or wherever you guys are listening to. So with that little snippet, hello, we are talking about baby stuff today, which is... Um, basically um where we're at in our our lives right now so i'm about to pop i'm like what 36 weeks pregnant so almost full term so any moment now guys and this just came right in time where a listener from the uk had emailed me of questions he had so this is from josh t josh t thank you for your email if you're out there listening right now josh t and his um what is it? Not I'm having a uh... significant other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brain, my pregnancy brain. It's real, guys. It's real. You're actually, th you're actually 37 weeks. There's it's about almost exactly three weeks until the due date. Oh, so you're actually okay. going yeah. into yep. going into 37. You're getting really ready. Yes, almost yes. There. So his about to be wife, John T and um Josh T, sorry. They're expecting oh, his fiance. Beyonce, thank you. That's the word I was Beyonce. looking for. That's I didn't funny. know the context, so. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes. Yeah, so he sent us a few questions because they're expecting their first child. So congratulations to them. Congratulations. For, um, getting married in the end of the year is what he said and expecting their um, firstborn. And he had just a bunch of questions that you guys, our listeners, other listeners might also have questions about. So today we're talking about babies and parenting, and we're just going to go along and answer Josh T's questions. All right. So his first question is, what is the best way or what are the best ways to engage bond with your pregnant wife's belly? Yeah, that's very interesting. And well, then you, why, why are you being quiet? Like I'm the expert. I'm supposed to respond here. <laughs> I mean, if you want my answer, I can tell you. No, we're, the both, reality is we're tag teaming. You're, Zach, the, we're tag teaming. you're the professional here, right? So I'll tell you what I would do as a normal pace, uh, parent with my, you know, my normal intuition. And then you could always reinforce it. Or you can say, hey, there's actually a more productive uh, alternative or a more efficient alternative. Okay. So, I mean, if you, if you want me to just have at it, since you kind of looked at me, for those of you listening, she just <laughs> looked at me like, okay, it's my turn. Oh, well, no, right. I needed to take a quick breather. As you know, for my pregnant listeners out there, it's getting harder and harder to breathe. <laughs> oh yeah. So, you breathe like, so, yeah. I was just taking a quick breather, but basically, I mean, Josh, uh, he's already talking, singing, and he even said blowing raspberries to, um, to mom's belly. 
those are all really great things. So go ahead. Um, what do you think, Zach? Anything to add with that? Uh, I think I forgot when it was that because I, I think what's most important is to understand, like, when can your child actually start to hear you? Right. Because, I mean, if you're talking to uh, a mm -hmm. one week pregnant girlfriend, dude, obviously there is no auditory development. That kid is not going to hear you whatsoever. So I think what's most important is to understand when the development of the hearing actually occurs so that you're not just saying things in vain. Now, look, if you want to do it for hugs and, and oxytocin reasons to make yourself feel good, then dude, by all means, you do your thing. But in terms of actually having the child like really hearing your voice, I think that's about midway in the pregnancy, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Madonna, it's but I think about, it was about um, 20 weeks or so. It's about 27 weeks your kid starts hearing your voice. But I would say even though your child in the womb does not hear your voice before that, what I always say is that it's good practice to get used yes. to it. If you're not used to singing to your baby or talking to a belly that's not going to necessarily respond back, I would say do it earlier so you get into that groove, you get into that practice, and it's easier by the time 27 weeks rolls along, right? Because yeah. the kids actually are babies in the womb. They do start hearing around that time a little bit more. They're not necessarily comprehending what you're saying, but they're, they're starting to recognize mom's voice. They're starting to recognize dad's voice, even sibling's voice. Um, and just think of it that their hearing is muffled and they're underwater, but you're right. building those brain connections. Yeah, see, I was under the impression that they could actually hear noise at a little bit younger of an age, but regardless of whether they can or not, to Madonna's point, get that practice in because not only is that going to mm -hmm. get you in into that behavior and that pattern, but it's also going to be good for you and it's going to be good for mom, right? Because the reality is when you're doing things like that, she's going to feel loved, cared for, and she's going to see the connection you're trying to create with your son or daughter in there. And it's going to make her feel good. And when she feels good, guess what? Baby's feeling good too. Because when you're stressed, baby feels stressed. When you're happy, the baby feels that too. Because the baby is literally almost, I, I can't say one in the same technically, but they're literally, she's in there. He's in there. You know, they are literally physically connected. So everything that goes through the mom pretty much goes through the baby too, man. So whether they're hearing it or not, it's still a good practice, period. Exactly. No matter what, because it's going to positively affect somebody somehow some way so there's no there's literally no wrong answer but if you want to be technical about it like madonna said there you go 27 weeks is when you can start but we highly advise that you go do it earlier just so you could get that practice in as well and just get those feel-good hormones going throughout the body so both parents can just have a happy pregnancy or as happy as it could possibly be because as madonna has explained getting kind of hard to breathe so there are difficulties but that's <laughs> a little bit different a little bit different of an issue. Yeah. So best way to play and engage with your child is you're already doing the right thing, singing, talking, and just playing playfully with your uh, with the baby in the belly. And then the next ones, uh, it's recommendation for baby books and recommendation for um, soft toys for your babies. So with this one, I would say I have um, really great resources on my website. I have my Amazon list there for you, developmentally appropriate materials for kids and even for some fun um, books and educational informative books for parents on there as well. So for books and for toys and any other items for babies and kids, I have them on my website and I will tag that onto our, um, our show notes. So that's basically, that's that. One thing I would say for um, baby books is that the uh, 
for newborn stage for little kids you know they can't see you guys when the baby's the ba- when the baby's born they could only see what six to eight inches yeah they're extremely short-sighted extremely short-sighted, short-sighted. Yeah. so those high contrast books black and white books a little bit of red High contrast books are great for kids. Soft books. One of the books I recommended to one of our friends who um, who she's also pregnant is these books called Indestructible Books, which are great mm-hmm. because um, it's hard to rip them. You could wash them in the washing machine. You can, um, your kids can bite on them and all these different things. So they're really indestructible. So I have that on my Amazon list as well, actually. So that's one of the really great things um, uh, to note. Yeah, I, I think you should just honestly leave it at that because when it comes to the suggestions yeah. of toys, there's just yeah, way so too many. Like so the scope many. of of what your child needs in terms of his full development and, and upbringing, it's so vast that we could talk about that forever, right? Because yeah. we're talking about when True. we're talking about recommendations, we're talking about literally all of the senses. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's why this question is extremely loaded, and it will take a, a very long yeah. time. But if if you keep that in mind, the the, the senses, the different senses that your baby has, like we're see touch smell feel like I, or I did say uh touch already but like you know all of the senses so if you just keep that in mind then you'll understand it's kind of like eating your fruits and vegetables right they say eat the rainbow eat different colored fruits and vegetables same thing with toys different textures different senses and all that good stuff but uh yeah i think we should just leave it at that just because that's such a loaded question but i think that kind of sums it up what i said there uh definitely put that link in your in the show notes so that they can just click on it and they could kind of see everything but keep that in mind so the things that you're going to see on madonna's list take those things that i just said in into account. Yeah. And I would say less is more, especially Correct. for babies. Yeah. They don't that's need a, that's a good, so that's many good. toys. That's one thing. That's good. Yeah, right. exactly. So very I would solid say advice. Mm-hmm. Um, they just need your face for the most part and your hands yes. and play with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we have here? Recommendations for baby shows. So, is this number three? Yes, number three, recommendation for baby shows. I will Ooh. let you know that we do have episode, we have episode number eight where we talk about screen time. What about screen time? What about screen times for newborns, for babies, for toddlers? Because there's different stages in their lives. Is it appropriate to show a newborn um, episodes or some screen time? So usually for kids who are um, definitely under one years old, the only screen time they should really get is FaceTiming with family or very interactive social screen time with ones that they love and from people that they're familiar with. The real interaction should go with real life interactions as much as possible. So even though there are companies out there tailoring to babies and toddlers and kids saying this is a great show for them, that is all marketing. Not- because right. oftentimes kids attend to faces and real life activities and their environment more than shows, even though those flashy lights, they maybe look like they're attending to it. Probably not the best thing for them at this moment in their development. Let, let me call it what it is, Madonna, because you're being nice about it. You're being around the bush <laughs> and you're like prancing oh. along. Let me just punch people in the face here. The reality is your kid doesn't need screen time at that age. Yes, you can do screen time when it's interactive with a live human being, right? Because they can reciprocate the things that the baby's doing or or they can lead or let the baby lead, whatever it is. It's interactive to some to some degree or actually in every degree. 
Now, when it comes to TV shows, your kids don't know what they're seeing. They don't know what they're watching. They hear noises. They see lights and flashy things, but that's what draws them in. It's like a bug that is going towards it's the little zapping machine, right? They're just kind of like zonked out like, oh, look at the light. I want to go to the light. They don't know what's going on. They can't comprehend that language. It is not a teacher. You are. You need to be speaking with your child, engaging with your child, making eye contact with your child, teaching them the different expressions your face can make, like all those different things are a trillion times. And obviously that's an exaggeration, but it is far more effective than you putting your child on a screen. That is the lazy way out. Don't do it. It's not helpful for their, their development. It's actually hurtful because they can't comprehend it. And they're going to just want to be stuck to that TV all day long. And when you take it away, they're going to start to develop some type of addiction to it to the point where they're going to start having these behaviors and crying because they're not going to be want to pulled off, pulled off of it simply because the lights and the sounds sound fun, but they don't even know what's going on. They're literally like a deer in the headlights. They're just like, whoa, what's that? And they're just stuck there. That's really all it is. So but the reality you, is they're yeah. not really learning anything, guys. Oh, no. But 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 he, she likes Dora the, he, Dora the Explorer or Explorer. She, when no, they're babies, I mean, yes, when they're of babies. course. Guess what else? Get us, guess what else your baby likes? Sonic the Hedgehog, Super Mario, Pokemon, literally anything on TV your child will like because it is a, it's a visual and auditory stimulus that is novel to them. However, it's not engaging. It's not reciprocating. It's not something that and it can door the Explorer help when, when it's interactive, when your child has that language. Sure, sure. We're talking about babies here, though. So to my knowledge, Madonna, and correct me if I'm wrong again, because I know that the research is constantly being updated, right? So any baby under one, one shouldn't even have any screen time unless it's unless it's interactive with a live human being. Now, well, from what I understand, up to 18 months, they should, they should be getting no more than an hour of screen time a day, right? But still preferably the live FaceTime with, with humans, right? So, so what does that look like going from under? So we, we talked about under one, uh, one years old. Can you go over now two years and then three years from there? So what's recommended by the um, American Academy of Pediatrics is really that um, going with their age is what, how many, how much screen time they should be ha having, right? Two years old, max two, two hours, three years old, max three hours of screen time and so forth and so on. But we know that some kids get a bit more than that. And so, and kids, kids do learn from screen time. There's really uh, the research. Uh, I will have to revisit the subject again at a later time, but it's not that kids don't learn from screen time. It's that they screen time should be a supplementary from how they're learning. And you are the best show for your child right now. For right. You are the so, best show. So let me let me ask you this then, because you are saying that they can learn from it, but with the caveat of them having at least a, a certain amount of language, right? So that they can actually comprehend mm -hmm. what they're hearing, mm -hmm. right? Because that is the caveat, just like I explained. So you kind of yeah. you kind of said it as a blanket statement. So I just want to make sure we're very definitive here so we don't confuse our listeners. So yeah. under the age of one, there's like zero reason as to why they should be on a TV or a tablet or a phone, right? Because they just don't understand anything. That's what I'm saying. Now, between the ages of one and two, now you said, okay, one hour and then two hours and three hours going along with their age. But is it like, is there a, an age where they should be watching these more uh, interactive cartoons, I guess we can say, where they can actually start to benefit from it? Now, I know that there's always a range because some kids have more language than others and, and all that good stuff. But when is it, when, when is a good time for them to start being on a screen where they can actually get something out of what it is they're watching that's not a facetime interaction 
I wouldn't put an age to it, like you said, because it can be a range. Yeah, a range. Right? Mm-hmm. But I would say if they have language, if they have other opportunities outside of screen time and you're using it, I'm going to say this word again, to supplement what they're learning, then mm-hmm. screen time is appropriate. If you're teaching your child colors, for example, right, and they have a a game or a show where they're listening to colors, that is reinforcing what you're teaching them. Okay, let me expand on that then, because that's actually, I I do like that. And this is something that we did with Ace, right? So when he was at an age where he can actually like, at least say a few words here and there back and forth, we're like, all right, cool, it's time. We can actually put them on a screen on screen. But the difference between you walking your kid through what they see and not is literally letting the the TV be the babysitter. So we are very against, or at least I'm very against putting your kid on a screen at a very young age and just leaving. What I did every single time was I put something on that was educational, uh, whether it be some type of educational cartoon with blocks and numbers or colors or whatever it is, or it could be real life, like animals or whatever it is. And I sat down with Ace and everything that popped up, I kind of talked about what exactly he was seeing. I actually put the volume down on, on the TV because he doesn't need to hear all those things because it's very, uh, I guess, Sensory I guess very, a lot of, a, a lot of words. It's, it's a lot going on. It's trying to, Sensory trying to take overload. in all that auditory, you know, all that auditory and, and the, the visual thing. So I kind of turned the volume down a little bit and I explained, Hey, check that out, Ace. That's called a dog. Dog makes no, and I, and we would just talk about these things. Right. And I take it so slow, but like you said, I used it to supplement, to reinforce, because these are things that we would read in books. These are things that we would see in real life. And what I did was I utilized the screen. And I like, I think we covered this on, on that episode that you referred to. I would use the screen to reinforce exactly what it is that we went over just to solidify that in his mind and just help him to understand better of what we did, what we experienced or what we read in a book. So yes, 100% percent supplement, uh, supplementary to what his primary education sources were, which is real life and books. Yeah. yeah. And you, what you were mentioning was called, it's called co-viewing. Co-viewing. Where, that's the word. Yes. Yes. Co-viewing. co-viewing. Yeah. So that's how you can use the screen very effectively at a very mm-hmm. young age for your child, if you would like to. But, but what age? Let me, and of course, I know there's a range, Madonna, but people are going to want to know when is a good range of age to start co-watching? Let's get that before we get on to the next question. I'm going to tell you at this moment in time, I don't know because people can use it in different ways. They could literally um, show a kid who's under one years old if they're talking about spiders and there's no, if there's no other alternatives, if you don't have a book around you, if you don't have a toy spider, you want to show your kid a spider, you show them a little um, clip of a spider, that's already co-viewing and that's showing them a screen right? That's still a teaching moment. So I will say as a professional, I would say, I don't know. Um, it depends on it how depends you use it. depends on the family. It depends on the individual. So I'm going to leave it at, as that. <laughs> All right. As a professional, you say that. As a parent, I'm going to say, why put them on the screen at 11, 12, 13 months old? Bring them outside and talk about the leaves. Talk about there the sky. Go. Talk about the clouds. Don't talk about the sun because you don't want your kid looking at the sun. Talk about the things <laughs> they see. Talk about the bugs on the floor, the bricks on the ground, the cement, whatever. Talk about the composition of it. Who knows? The chemical makeup. It don't matter. Just okay, throw some random words on their that. way. That's great because- yeah, That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, their first three years of life, five years, their first year of life, everything is new. We think of- yeah 
we think of things like, oh, we're just doing laundry. We're, we're used to it. It's typical, whatever for us. But it's new for your child. A paper bag for your six-month-old can be super fun and happy where you're just like shaking the paper bag and it makes a noise. For Literally, <laughs> <laughs> anything can be fun for them because it's brand new and they're exploring and they're, they're observing. So yes, you're right. There's so many more other alternatives than the screen. The screen is yeah. not evil, but it's how you use it is what we say. Yeah, I think people, that's my final words on this is I think people think that you have to have a screen in order for your kid to develop the way that they need to develop. I mean, look, humanity is just fine. And we didn't have screens <laughs> with babies on iPhones and stuff like that. This is in the grand scheme of things. This is very, very new technology, guys. Just a couple generations ago, no kid was ra getting raised with a phone. Okay. Or an iPad or, or an iPad, tablet. right? Even the TV, right? Even the TV, they weren't doing that stuff, man. So, so yeah, just, just think about it like that. It should be supplementary, supplementary, not mandatory. Okay. Yep, exactly. And the next question that Josh had was, what's the best way to make my baby laugh or giggle? And this actually goes with <laughs> what we just talked about because everything is new for them. Everything right. is fun for them. Your, your baby could literally be laughing about Anything. you opening a container and they think it's right. hilarious and you can right. repeat that uh, the main thing here is how are they having fun how are they connecting with you are they looking at you to do what you want them to do or what they want you to do again, and you do it again so anything can really make them laugh or giggle you don't even have to tickle them peekaboo no. Peekaboo is a huge one is actually a big social skill for a, ch um, for a child. So I would say playing different peekaboos, right? With your hand, with a blanket, going behind a door. Peekaboo is not only fun for your child, but developmentally, they're learning something called object permanence. They're learning social skills. They're learning how to respond. They're learning what to expect. A lot of really great things with peekaboo. I will say that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Like Madonna said, these kids everything is novel stimulus to them, right? Meaning it's completely brand new. So again, just do different things that pertain to the different senses. And every time your kid mm -hmm. experiences something new, guess what? It's probably super entertaining for them. It's probably very entertaining for them, yeah. unless it's like a very, very loud noise. Then in the context of a, of a baby, at least that could be traumatic because they might make, yes. they might make wrong associations, right? They've done studies like this in the past where they have given kids teddy bears, but they also like bang the very loud noise when they had that teddy bear. And guess what? The kids developed the fear of the teddy bear because they associated that very loud noise with the cute cuddly bear. So just was keep that, that in mind, right? By the way, when was, huh? when I remember those studies, <laughs> I forgot exactly when it was, but I do, I do vividly remember them talking about this study because they pretty much scared kids into these things. And it's probably something that they won't do nowadays ethically. So this is something that's, it's very old, probably back in like the fifties yeah. or sixties or something like that, maybe even seventies, but they don't do studies like that anymore because they find it unethical. But you know yeah. what, when they did do it, at least we did learn some things, right? Babies are very good at creating associations. So make sure that whatever it is they're putting in front of them, you associate it in a positive manner. If it's something that you want your child to perceive in a positive manner most people most kids like they don't people don't realize that a lot of fears and, and opinions that kids have they stem from what they learn from people that they look up to because they trust you that's what madonna says you are their first teacher guess what if you teach them to be scared of certain things they will be scared of certain things if you teach them to be scared of many things they might have a fearful just 
personality. So you got to be very careful with the things that you are putting in their brain because that will develop their character and who they become over the course of time. Keep that in mind, guys. The short-term things that you do will affect them in the long term. So just pertain to all the different senses. And honestly speaking, they're going to be happy with everything. You can literally, like Madonna said, open up a can of peanuts with a foil top. And even if it goes, they might laugh. You might pop some open, they're going to laugh. You know what I mean? You you touch the, the bottom of their foot, they might laugh like, whoa, I didn't know I had a foot. You know, they don't know these things. So just 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 uh, entertain them utilizing the senses, man. It's a great way to to entertain your baby, especially when you you spin it to have a positive, a positive like uh, association behind it as well. That's what's most important to me. It would be the positive association with everything that you put your kid through in terms of the the many stimuluses. Exactly. Stimuli. And then, I, Stimuli. And then I already <laughs> forgot what number um, we're on for questions. But the next five? question, I don't know. <laughs> I believe so. Five. Yeah. So this is more. Um, this is specific and personalized uh, of a question. But we're going to talk about it, and also I'm going to relate it to everybody else, right? So belly raspberries and kisses nibbles and, and, and nibbles so can this start off during the newborn stage or only when the baby's older and how long can we do this so the little raspberries right and um, nibbles yeah. and things like that so this question i would say that babies connect through touch initially that's why we have a skin-to-skin contact with our baby right off the bat when the baby is born whether it's skin-to-skin with mom whether it's skin-to-skin with um, sibling grandparent or just anybody they connect with you through skin-to-skin right that's why we like hugs for the most part and we feel comfort in those so i would say belly raspberries they're part of that connection. You're connecting with your child. Um, yeah. And it's really um, dependent on your family style and you as a family, how long you want to do this with your baby, if you want to do this with your baby, because I know there was a question or um, there was a comment from that email as well saying, I know some parents don't feel comfortable doing raspberries with their babies, but that's actually um, part of that bonding, you know, giving hugs and sometimes it helps calm them down. So mm-hmm. it's an external stimuli action. that we were talking about. You want your kid to laugh? There you go. There's the stimulus of, of, of sound and touch. Yes. The only thing that I guess I would say is like, don't do it on a, on a raw umbilical cord or something that might transfer some <laughs> okay. type of infection. But besides that, you know, yes. I don't see why it would be wrong at any moment. You know what I mean? I mean, just be again, like I said, be aware of the 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 hearing. That's all. Like, just don't be extremely loud because their hearing is probably very sensitive when they're out the womb. And um, again, hearing is one of those things that they don't come. It doesn't come back. You know, once you lost it, you lost it. So that's a whole other episode we won't get into right now. But uh, yeah, I don't see. I don't see what's wrong with starting that right off the bat. Do your thing. Yeah. yeah. And then number six is how how do you make diaper changing fun? So I would say how to make the kids will come to the will go through the stage where it's like trying to wrestle an alligator changing them right but in the newborn stage what i would suggest is talking to them smiling at them using very simple language like oh stinky pu diaper using starting to use some signs with them remember we've talked about sign language before so signing to them and not necessarily them reciprocating it back but you getting used to using 
sign language and using these words with them in a routine. Because what you're doing is you're building their understanding and you're building your, their vocabulary in this way. So they don't necessarily need to have diaper changing fun, but you are already naturally making it fun by talking to them, singing to them, and just being playful with them. As they get older and they're very wiggly and it's harder to change them, a couple of suggestions I have is giving them an object to keep their hands busy with so you could change them real fast. Uh, you could sing to them and probably move their legs around and do some tickles as you're changing them really quickly. Uh, and, and then I had one more. Oh my goodness, my pregnancy. While you think, while you think about it, this is my <laughs> approach. While you, while you uh, find your last What I'm going to do is actually pregnancy. try to find that link. Uh, I did a, um, a post, I believe a TikTok post, at least one or two of um, a wiggly baby during diaper changing. And I'm just going to put it on the show notes. Let's do that. <laughs> what I did and what I've had massive success with, and yes, you do that. What I've had massive success with is when I've actually walked Ace through the steps of what I was doing, because when he felt like there was something to concentrate on, it kept his mind off of it. So it's just it's just deflecting what we really focused on by by putting it into his uh, he's just trying to follow along in terms of the thought process. And he's not really giving attention to the actual things I'm doing physically. So I just like to bring him along the ride with me, I guess you can say, because when he feels like he's part of it, he's like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when we fast forward to when he's like, OK, now I'm wiggling, now I'm crazy. I'm a wild toddler now. What I what I then did was I challenged him. Let's see how fast we could change your diaper. Let's see if we could do it here. Let's see if we could do it in the dark. Do you think we can do it? Like, yeah, I just would challenge him in certain ways. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it again. It's just, it's the same thing. You just got to string them along, but have their buy-in. You just have to get their buy-in in a different way because guess what? They're a different kid now. They're, they're, they're more developed. They have different, like they're starting to find themselves, I guess, a little bit. They're going to be more playful. They're going to want to play when you don't want to play. They're going to want to make fun things out of things that you will hate. <laughs> like changing poop diapers is not fun, but to them, it's it's a game. Everything's a game to children, right? And the games for them is just learning opportunities, but you have to find a way to control that. So that's how I did it. I did it by keeping him like engaged mentally while I talked him through it. All right, buddy, this is the diaper. The diapers will hold your pee and poop so we don't make a big mess. I'm going to unstrap it. Listen to this. I said, did you hear that? Those straps keep the diaper on so it doesn't fall off. Now that I did that, I'm going to grab your legs and lift it up. It's literally like just like as if I was creating standard operating procedures for teaching somebody how to change a diaper. I'll just talk <laughs> out loud literally what I'm doing. And people will be like, oh, that's kind of dumb and basic. But yes, guess what? It is dumb and basic. But kids are dumb and basic. They don't know better. They're just they they don't know better. And I know it sounds bad. It, I know it sounds bad. But like the reality is just they don't know better. So that's very engaging for them. So that's how I did it. And again, like They're I said, once it's getting a little crazy. There's definitely better words than that, Zachary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is what but it is. I will t- I will point out one thing <laughs> that kids love, and it's very playful for them, is exclamatory words. So when Zach was going yeah. for the diaper, or if we do wow, yay, uh-oh, those things that we have an exclamation point um, with, exclamatory, exclamatory words are... Um, Things that like stick out and kids really like those and tune into those and they think they're fun or that they highlight those words. So exclamatory words would be a great one to do. Sound effects, animal sounds, environmental sounds. Oh, did you hear the fire truck? But you're not just saying fire truck. You're doing wee, wee, wee. You see the cow, moo, things like that. And then, uh oh, something falls down. Uh oh, stinky, pu. So those, I think are those are really called onomatopoeias. Remember, isn't that 
like moo cat like and stuff like that i think no, they're onomatopoeias i don't think so i think onomatopoeia is uh, something different i'm gonna look it up now <laughs> okay, maybe go look it up real fast and go for it and then move on to the next one and then you Do can it. tell us when you come back to it okay so number seven is um the question about uh, i'm going to answer this real quick because i don't really know the answer for this one uh josh had a question about um will my child have an in or an audi does it make a difference that one it's really genetics and i don't know so much about if um depending on what your um, kiddo has for a belly button and any or an Audi if, if it affects anything. So I will leave it at that for that question. So the next before you get on next to... before you get on the next question, an onomatopoeia is a word that sounds like the noise it describes. So it could oh, yeah. look like a sound. So bam, boom, pow, room. So yeah. Uh, yeah, onomatopoeia then is similar, which is it's it's also I guess exclamatory like, words woof. is different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, you're right. Room, yeah. right? Room for a car. Like a car. Yeah. But yay and uh-oh is an exclamatory word. So onomatopoeias and exclamatory words are very fun for your child and they tune into those. So use those often so they hear it. And those are sometimes words that are easier to produce than the actual word. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. What we got next? So next one is... Um, we both want to know when we can, we should start our baby on baby foods, soft foods, or I think they're talking about purees versus solid mm -hmm. foods. Can this be started off during newborn or does it start during toddler stage? Or do you recommend us to keep her on a bottle of milk till we, or, um, till baby transitions away to food? Sorry, okay. I'm like reading the email. I don't know what in the <laughs> heck kind of question. Why, how Wait, you... let me let me answer. I'm sorry, no, I was reading it word for Let word. me do this. When should your kid? Let's let's reframe <laughs> it like this. When should your kid get put on any type of solid food? And solid food is literally anything other than breast milk or formula. Now we cannot give medical advice because we're not medical doctors, right? Mm -hmm. So legally we can't say so. But I can tell you what the medical professionals did tell us. They said that you can start to feed your child solid food. So we're talking purees in the very beginning when or biting like very soft sitting up by themselves once they can sit up by themselves and support their own neck they said this can begin as early as four months now again this is not medical advice and i'm not saying that this is going to be the circumstance for your child that's what i'm saying that the medical professionals have advised us and i'm just relaying that information to you but because there there is a developmental range of what's normal what's not some kids go produce or develop faster and slower you will definitely want to work hand in hand with your medical medical care provider to get your kid assessed and checked to see like, okay, I think your kid is ready to take it to the next level. So that's going to be on a very individualized basis, baby to baby. So we cannot tell you, but I will tell you that they said it can be as early as four months old. And Boom. what I will... And then what I will tell you is that the first year of life, baby's main nutrients come from milk and that yes. solid foods, including purees, are more for sensory exploration and then just to, um, you know, learn and observe yeah. and sense different tastes. So it's not their main source of nutrients. Milk Correct. in the first year of life. Correct. Solid food, uh, going back to what you were saying before, solid food is supplementary to breast milk or formula. Now, two foods that I do know off the top of my head that you shouldn't be giving your children is uh, before at least uh, until they're at least one years or older is honey and cow's milk. 
those are the two things that you're going to want to stay away from. You have to definitely supplement formula if you cannot produce the breast milk necessary to breastfeed your child. Do not give them cow's milk until at least the age of one. That's what we have been advised again. Again, not medical advice, just telling you what the medical professionals have told us. And I will mention too that puree versus um, solid or um, soft foods, that one again is is dependent on either what you feel as a family, what you're comfortable with starting with either purees or something called um, child-led feeding. Oh my gosh, my brain. I'm so sorry guys for this oh, episode. Wow. <laughs> child-led weaning, I should say something like that. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I What's do going on here? But um, my pregnancy brain is taking over a ton more nowadays. Yeah, basically, <laughs> well, basically, this is uh, a lot of research that you you would have to do as a parent and what works best for you guys as a family and what the medical professionals say and what your little one is able to do. So we're going to leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> we probably should. Quick question. <laughs> Let me add another. I'm going to add a bonus question here. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, everybody listening, and I'm asking you too, Madonna, why do you think pregnancy brain occurs? And this is not a trick question, and I don't know the answer. I'm asking you, this is just a little bonus intermission so that you can get your collect, like your thoughts collected and recalibrate yourself. Why do you think pregnancy brain happens? Do you have a theory by any chance? Just, just an out of well, nowhere question. Because we're getting ready for the baby. <laughs> and then all our, a lot of the hormones and chemicals is focusing on something else. And that's yeah, what happens to I, kids too. When we're focusing on some, when our kids are focusing on something else, other parts of their development, they're not focusing on. So my body right now is getting ready to give birth, getting ready for um, baby to come in and things like that. So. Yeah. Is that a theory or is that something that you read about or learned from an expert? It's, it's, it's somewhat a theory, but I've also um, heard and learned about it. It's a mixture. Okay. That was because that was to my, explain it. <laughs> that was my theory too. It seems like well, it's starting to seem like you're starting to not explain anything. <laughs> but <laughs> so uh, and, and guys, listen, guys, I don't mean just on this podcast. She knows what she's talking about, but I'm just talking about in real life in general. She'll just be like, <laughs> and and I, I guess that's right, right? Okay. So this is just a random little intermission here, but that's my theory too, I guess, right? It's just a it's just the distribution of the allocation of the blood flow and the hormones and all that stuff in your body. It's kind of like uh if you take eight ounces of water and it says, okay, put like uh this packet of of you know drink mix in it kool-aid whatever like that and it will taste awesome right but if you double that to 16 ounces you're gonna be like oh it tastes kind of watered down i feel like it's because of that it's you have the same amount of resources within your body but they're being allocated in a bigger um a bigger span you know what i mean or to more things right between you and the baby developing so i mean that's my theory too um if i had to take my best oh and guess. the lack of sleep too because oh you know, my gosh that's a very and... good one but then i have pregnant brain then in that case because i have not been getting decent <laughs> sleep and we've talked about that so we don't need to get into that again all <laughs> yeah. of the conversation yeah that and then once the baby's born you're not going to get sleep for a while as well and so that's going to get going to add on to that so yeah, all right you're right. <laughs> All right. So, so anyways, I hope you got your thoughts collected again. I hope that laughter promoted a little bit of blood flow in your brain. And now, ladies and gentlemen, back to our featured presentation. <laughs> last question. Perfect. The last question is that I told Zach we had 10 questions, but um, I think I combined them and now we had nine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. I'm not oh, paying man. attention. I, I honestly funny. don't even, I didn't even know the questions this time around, guys. I'm just, just here going along, giving my going input. Along. Yes. All right, let's go. Final so question. Last you question, guys. Co-sleeping. Mm. Should we co-sleep with our baby or should we have our baby sleep by themselves? 
This one is all you because I actually don't know too much about the negative or positive effects of co-sleeping. So honestly, I don't have any opinion and I can't at least expand on it until at least you give me some type of direction. So if I'm being honest, I have not looked into this. I've never asked an expert about this and I don't, we've never even just discussed it about, uh, about it a lot. We've just had a sleeping on his own. We try to make him as independent as possible, as early as possible. That's all I know. So um, expert, enlighten us. Okay, so I am not an expert in sleeping or um, baby sleep. There's a lot of experts. There's experts for that. But given that, you know, doing some research and having our own kiddo, I just re recently found out that American Academy of Pediatrics said the first year of life, you should um, somehow co-sleep with your child or even the first six months of life for your child because of um, uh, SIDS, sudden, sudden infant death syndrome. Thank you, Zach. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so for the first three months, I would tell you personally, rather than me saying um, and recommending anything professionally, because again, I am a speech language pathologist, a pediatric one, and I... Um, um, an early intervention, sleep sometimes comes up when I talk to parents, but that's something that I don't really dive into with them. I do know as a mom that the first three years or first three months of life, when I, we had Ace near us, next to us in a bassinet, because it was just easier to feed him. And um, again, SIDS is a huge one, the first six months of life for a child. So th the recommendation is that you have them close by you. And that's what, um, what we had. And personally, it's really dependent. Again, a lot of these questions you have is very dependent on your family needs and what you feel is important to you guys because there's families in different countries and different cultures where they still co-sleep with their child up until I don't know five years old six years old 11 years old but there's other cultures and families where they're like okay you are now six months or you are now um one years old you have to sleep in your own room yeah. So, okay. Let me ask you this then, because you're saying co-sleeping, but you're saying a bassinet next to the bed. Co-sleeping to most people's understanding is when the kid is in the bed with you. So please define and and, and make a, make like the distinction between like, what the heck is co-sleeping? Yeah. So co-sleeping is them being in the same room as you. Okay. So it doesn't mean they have to be in the same bed. It just means you have to be in the same, like they're in, within a close proximity of you. Mm -hmm. okay. I, I would say that is co-sleeping, but um actually what the nurse told us is that don't um don't have your kiddo sleep in the same bed as you because that can right. be dangerous suffocation is yeah, suffocation. what we were told a, a smothering hazard correct i was going to bring that up next as well because there is conflicting information that we're that's going around and circulating um even amongst professionals here so we like to err on the side of caution i guess this will be my input here we did mm -hmm. we did hear both sides right so what we did we will err on the side of caution right if sids is a thing if smothering's a thing why the heck even if it's a one percent chance why would we want to play those odds right and i'm a man of statistics right i'm very logical and very i i, I will dude if i know i have a 99 chance of winning but my one percent chance is death i'll take that risk because statistically i will win but when it comes to human life I do not play that game. So why not just err on the side of caution and just put a bassinet literally two feet away from your bed? There's nothing wrong with that. It's not going to hurt. And then you reduce the risk of 
that smothering occurring and the, the, the SIDS or whatever it is that's going to happen. And if you're really that scared, guess what, guys? Technology is so advanced nowadays that you can have a camera like we know the Nanit, for example, right? The Nanit, N-A-N-I-T for shout out to them, whatever. Uh, we have a camera. We're not sponsored. We don't get any money or kickbacks or anything. But the reality is they have a decent product where if you actually pay for their subscription, they will watch the breathing pattern of your child and alert you if for some reason it stays still. And that would be the SID scare, right? Now, I'm not trying to scare people saying that it's extremely common, but it is definitely a thing to be aware of and something that can occur within the first six months specifically. So um, yeah, if you're really that concerned, then get air on the side of caution, get a bassinet, buy one of those cameras, pay for the subscription, because guess what, dude, money is it? Money is nothing compared to the life of your child. And then watch them and take care of them in that manner. Pretty, pretty simple solution here. Yeah, and my recommendation is just to talk to um, your medical professional regarding cold sleeping Always. and what they suggest. It can vary. This is yeah. this is why people are very like, well, what is it? Yes, no, because in the fifties they could sleep on the um, as a newborn on their backs or on their um, stomachs, but now they highly suggest that they sleep on their backs. So things right. change. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. They found that kids that sleep on their stomach have a higher chance of of. SIDS occurring than when they're on their back. So yeah, that's a good detail to remember or point out as well. And again, who knows? Research and science is constantly changing. And when we say research, guys, we mean like actual clinical, like human trials and stuff like that. We're not talking about like we did a Google search and some random person just made a website and we just looked at her like, hey, hey, cool. No, this is actually advice from real medical professionals based on real scientific literature, right? We're talking about the general consensus of the scientific community here. So we're not just talking random stuff. We're actually talking the the, the most up-to-date knowledge, at least to our knowledge as uh, a species, <laughs> I guess we can say. So I just wanted to throw that in there to let you guys know that we're not over here just making guesses. We're really talking things that we have been advised from professionals or Madonna knows personally herself as an expert in the field of pediatrics. Yeah, and we'll tell you guys if we don't know, if we don't have as much information as we, and we um, say, we don't know. No, we don't know. But I would tell you our personal experience, which is not our professional experience, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, with that being said, Josh, I hope you are able to tune into this episode and all our other listeners i hope you found value from this if you guys are pregnant <laughs> you feel me give some if you're a partner of someone who's pregnant give them some grace please <laughs> because they really yeah and that's it. what that's what i'm doing so i'm gonna hijack this conversation real quick because madonna's pregnancy brain is super hardcore right exactly. now so if you want to support us and support Madonna's pregnancy brain, please drop us a review and drop us five stars if you have any. If you want to help us make it through this, because together we can do this. We're three weeks out from having our second baby, and it's going to be a struggle. And we're going to we're going to continue to show up for you guys. It might be not as much. It's going to be every other week, like Madonna said. But every we other will week. be when, whenever, here. whenever, not every other week. <laughs> whenever we can, but we're going to try to show up every other week. Look, you got to give you please give us some grace as well because it, we are going to have our hands full literally with a baby and the other kid that we have as well plus our businesses right so we got things on our end and guess what we're parents just like you guys but if you if you if you are new to this show thank you for listening we have plenty of episodes for you to listen to while we get caught up on things when the baby does happen to come by so if this if you guys got any value out of this episode whatsoever like i said please share this with somebody who could benefit from us drop us a review it's how it helps us grow to get more more information out, solid information out to the people that need it the most. If you do need to get connected with Madonna, she is always open in her DMs for any kind of support or questions that you may have that we might be able to cover on future episodes. You can find her on Instagram at Making Learning Special. Her website is makinglearningspecial.com. And we are on what? All platforms? We're on iTunes, Spotify, where we're at. Where, where can they find this podcast? And then we can let these guys go. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, you name it. 
boom, everywhere. Listen up, guys. Share the show. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time. Catch you next time.